Deuteronomy chapter 18, verses 15 through 22. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen, just as you desired of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly when you said, let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God, or see this great fire any more, lest I die. And the Lord said to me, They are right in what they have spoken. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers. And I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. And whoever will not listen to my words, that he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. But the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name that I have not commanded him to speak, or who speaks in the name of other gods, that same prophet shall die. And if you say in your heart, how may we know the word that the Lord has not spoken? When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the word does not come to pass or come true, that is a word that the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken it presumptuously. You shall not be afraid of him. Acts chapter 3, verses 17 through 26. And now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did also your rulers. But what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets, that his Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and turn back, that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. Moses said, the Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. You shall listen to him in whatever he tells you. And it shall be that every soul who does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed from the people. And all the prophets who have spoken, from Samuel and those who came after him, also proclaim these days. You are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant that God made with your fathers, saying to Abraham, and in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. God, having raised up his servant, sent him to you first to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. Hey everybody, good morning and uh, welcome to Christ Community Chapel. Really, really glad that you are here. Uh, thanks for coming. Welcome those of you at our East service, those of you who are tuning in online, welcome. All right, you can tell we're ready. We got something big coming up, kids camp coming up uh, tomorrow. Uh, you can tell by all that's going on in the atrium. Uh, it's midnight at the museum. We got a dinosaur. Uh, this is, we got time machines. This is like a, it's supposed to be a portal that uh, <laughs> Moses is going to, the kids team wanted me to come out with smoke and everything. A little too much. But we do all this not just because we uh, love kids, uh, but we want this week to be just an epic week for the kids. Uh, not just in the excitement of all that's going on and the fun that they will have, although we want them to have fun. But the big thing is we want to connect them uh, with the love of Jesus. We want our kids and the kids in this community to know that uh, Jesus is for them. 
All right, so uh, I want to thank all the people that have already done an amazing amount of work preparing. I want to thank those of you who are volunteering this coming. We have 700 kids already registered, more than 700, which is awesome. Uh, but listen, a couple of things. One, if your kids are not yet registered, the registration closed a while ago, but it is open today. There's a table out in the living room, out in the atrium. You can bring, you can go ahead and register your kids. And if you are not volunteering, but you have an, a day this week that you can, uh, we would love to have you. We need you. Right? We need a lot of volunteers. If you can't, this is what I want you to do. I want you to be praying this week. Every time you see a kid, every time you drive by the church, whatever, be praying for what goes on here at, ter- at church, that God will use us and work through us uh, to impact the children that are our kids and the children of our community. All right? Thanks. It happens uh, fairly often, either out in the community or out in the atrium, that someone will come up to me and they will say, hey, Pastor Joe, I've been coming uh, to your church for the last month or so. I just want you to know I really enjoy it. All right? I love that conversation. The one The conversation that I love even more is the one that comes later from the same person. The same person will come to me sometime later and say, listen, Pastor Joe, I just wanted you to know I've been talking to my neighbor. I've been telling him about my church and trying to get him to come. And the thing I love is that they've made a transition from talking about this church as your church to talking about this church as my church, right? And I don't know all that goes on to make that transition, But I know it's important. You know, we're always talking about next steps here at CCC. It's why we have a next steps area with staff there all the time. We're always saying to you, take the next step. This is part of the reason. Sometimes you need to take a next step to make this your church. And I just want to encourage you to do that. Uh, Make make sure you, you take that next step to make this your church between now and the end of the year. And for some of you, that, mean, that may mean moving from being online to coming in person. For some of you who are sitting here, it may move from just sitting and receiving to serving. It might mean joining a circle, becoming a part of a Bible study, beginning to give, whatever it is. Take that next step. Uh, make this your church, all right? Uh, because I think we need you, and I think you need us. Okay, that's my little pastoral moment for today. All right, we are in the final week of our 10-week series on the life of Moses. Moses is such a huge character in the Bible. We probably know more about Moses than almost any other character in the Bible. In fact, the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, called the books of Moses. The reason we chose Moses is because if you want to see salvation writ large, look at the life of Moses. It will, you will see what it means to be saved, what it means to be redeemed, what it means to be set free. And each week over these past 10 weeks, we have read something about Moses and then connected it to the story of Jesus. And we did that not because we're so clever that we can figure out these weird connections. We have done that because of what Jesus said in Luke chapter 24. In Luke chapter 24, it's, uh, Jesus has been crucified. It's the Sunday of his resurrection. He has resurrected, but very, very few people know. 
And there's uh, two disciples that are walking out of Jerusalem toward a little town called, <clears throat> excuse me, Emmaus. And they, uh, they know Jesus was crucified. They have heard rumors that the tomb is empty, but they can't even wrap their heads around the possibility that Jesus could be alive. And then all of a sudden, Jesus is walking along beside them, and they don't recognize Jesus, and they start talking. And they tell Jesus they, they had a friend they thought was the Messiah, but he got crucified, and they're bum. And then Jesus says this. It says that Jesus opened up the scripture, and he showed them how in all the law and the prophets, they're pointing to him. All the law and the prophets are pointing to him. The Bible is one story with one hero, and that hero is Jesus. So now we've come to the point, to the part of the story where Moses himself kind of connects to Jesus when Moses says, if you listen to what was read, Moses says, listen, you think I'm a great prophet. There's a prophet who's coming that God is going to raise up that will be so great that anyone who doesn't listen to him will be cut off. And then Peter, in Acts chapter 3, talking to a Jewish audience, says, hey, you know when Moses said that there was a prophet that was coming after him that was greater than him, and that if anyone doesn't listen to him, he will be cut off? That prophet is Jesus. Jesus is the greater prophet. Okay, I have three points. And here are my three points. If you're a note taker, you just want to know where I'm going. I want to talk about uh, what exactly is a prophet, why we need prophets, and what makes Jesus the ultimate prophet. Okay, what exactly is a prophet, why we need prophets, and how is Jesus the ultimate prophet? First, what exactly is a prophet? A prophet uh, acts as the mouthpiece for God. Uh, the prophet talks for God. A lot of times when we think of a prophet, we think of somebody who can uh, foretell the future. And sometimes prophets would do that, but primarily they just spoke on behalf of God. The best illustration is probably in Exodus chapter 7. In Exodus chapter 7, God is telling Moses, you need to go to Pharaoh and tell Pharaoh what I want you to tell him. And Moses says, uh, oh, listen, I'd love to, but I can't. Uh, I stutter. I freeze in front of people. I hate talking in front of people. I can't do it. And God says, okay, fine. Your brother Aaron speaks better than you. And then God says this, I will make you like God to Aaron. And then Aaron will tell Pharaoh everything you say to Aaron. That's a prophet. A prophet speaks for God. Now, uh, here at CCC, we bring a lot of meals to people. I mean, if someone's sick, if someone's recovering from surgery, if somebody has a death in the family, usually someone in their circle or somebody they serve with will organize and they'll bring them meals. Hey, uh, part of the perks of making this your church. Okay? <laughs> Something to think about. Uh, my wife, uh, just this past week, took a meal to a family. And uh, there are one of two ways to do that. Uh, you can either... Uh, make a meal that you are good at and that you know you love and kind of just uh, hope that they, and it's probably a pretty good hope, that the family you're bringing the meal to will, will love it as well. That's one way. 
Then there's the other way, which is the way my wife does it, which is to email the people and say, what do you want? What are you craving? And this past week, the family you know, emailed back and said, we're actually craving Chipotle, which was great because then my, my wife didn't have to cook. She could just bring it, and they got exactly what they wanted. Listen, prophets would not guess at what God wanted. Prophet, like Aaron and Moses didn't go to Pharaoh and say, Pharaoh, listen, uh, we think you should let the people go and uh, God is not thrilled with slavery. And we think that God is on our side with this. That's not what they said. A prophet goes and he says this. This is what God thinks. This is what God says. This is what God wants. That's what a prophet does. That's an amazing amount of authority. Like I, I'm the lead pastor here at CCC, and that comes with a certain amount of authority. Every once in a while, someone will try to scam uh, someone in our staff, and they do it using uh, my authority. This is what they'll do. They'll, they send an email uh, that's supposedly from me. It's not really from me, uh, but it says it's from me, and it says to the staff member, uh, listen, uh, I need you to do me a favor. I need you to go buy me some gift cards. Right? I don't know if you've had that happen at your business. And uh, the, the staff member has to go, oh, uh, Pastor Joe needs gift cards. And they have to, we have to send out emails all the time saying, hey, don't listen. <laughs> Pastor Joe doesn't need gift cards from the staff. I need them maybe from you, but not from <laughs> the staff, right? Listen, when you, uh, as a prophet, if you tried to usurp and use the authority of God and you did it without permission, if you spoke as if you knew what God was saying, but you didn't, and that was revealed, then the false prophet would forfeit his life. That's what the scripture says. So it's a very, very serious thing to be able to say, this is what God thinks. This is what God wants. This is what God says. A prophet is the very mouthpiece of God and speaks for God. Brings me to my second point, why we need prophets. Why we need prophets. Uh, there's something that's very popular now. Actually, it's probably been popular for a long time. It just seems like it's more popular now. And that's, uh, I'll, I'll hear a lot of people say, you know, I'm not really religious. Uh, I don't really believe in organized religion, but I'm spiritual. You've had People probably say that to you. So you may be sitting here today, and that describes you, and that's okay. I'll, I'll talk to you in just a minute, right? Or you could be watching online or have somebody send this to you, and you, are, you would say, yeah, I'm not real religious, but I'm spiritual. And I get why people say that. Sometimes people say that because they, there's a, a deep-down kind of inkling that we are not alone, that this is not all there is. A, a couple of weeks ago, I got a chance to go to Montana. And Montana is just gorgeous. Glacier National Park, breathtaking. Put it on your bucket list. People will see beauty like that and creation like that, or they'll look at, a, at a, their, their own child or their grandchild, and their hearts will fill up with love, and they will say to themselves, this, is, this can't be all there is. I can't be everything, that there has to be something greater than me out there that made this, right? And that's why someone decides to be spiritual. 
And the reason when they say, if you say, I'm not religious, but I'm spiritual, what you're saying is, you know what, I believe there's something out there, but I want to form my own opinion about that higher power or about God. I don't want to go on someone else's opinion. And that sounds reasonable, but there's a danger you cannot avoid. And the danger is what I call, you will make a Plato God. Okay, this is Plato. Plato is very soft and malleable. You can make Plato into just about anything you want to make it into. What will happen if you go by your own opinion of God, if you are spiritual but not religious, what will happen eventually, whether you realize it or not, is that you will make a God exactly the way you want him to be. He will like what you like. He will feel about things the way you feel about things. He will want what you want. He will be okay with what you're okay with. And you're, if you're, you're here, you can feel that in yourself. Even those of us who are the most adherent to the Bible know that there are times inside of us where we, we want to make God more into what we want him to be than what he really is. In uh, 1972, there was an author named Ira Levin who wrote a book called uh, Stepford Wives. It was made into a movie, and it was a satire about a little town in Connecticut called Stepford. And the women, the wives in, in this little town, were all just perfect. They looked perfect. They always made uh, for dinner what their husbands wanted for dinner. They never disagreed with their husbands. They were just pretty wonderful. <laughs> but what uh, was discovered is that they weren't real. They were robots. And of course, the only drawback to that, and it's a major drawback, is that you can't have a relationship with a robot. You can't have, uh, you can't, uh, have any kind of connection with somebody who never disagrees with you, who never has a different opinion than you have, right? And that's the problem. If you make up a Plato God, if you are spiritual, that God will never disagree with you, and you will never have a real relationship with them. There's a really fascinating passage to me in, in Numbers chapter 9. In Numbers chapter 9, uh, there's the, the people of Israel have been brought out of Egypt. God is leading them to the promised land uh, with a, a pillar of fire by night, pillar of cloud by day, and they move like that. Now, I'm going to read, these are, this is like eight verses. This passage just cracks me up, and I want to read it to you. Just hang on. You'll understand, I think. This is what it says. On the day that the tabernacle, that's a tent, was set up, the cloud covered the tabernacle, the tent of the testimony, and at evening, it was over the tabernacle like the appearance of fire until morning. Got that? Pillar of cloud, pillar of fire. And so it was always, the cloud covered it by day and the appearance of fire by night. And whenever the cloud lifted from over the tent, after that, the people of Israel set out. And in the place where the clouds settled down, there the people of Israel camped. Got it? Pretty simple. All right, listen. At the command of the Lord, the people of Israel set out. At the command of the Lord, they camped. As long as the cloud rested over the tabernacle, they remained in camp. 
Even when the cloud continued over the tabernacle many days, the people of Israel kept the charge of the Lord and did not set out. Okay, I got it. Sometimes the cloud was a few days over the tabernacle, and according to the command of the Lord, they remained in camp. Then according to the command of the Lord, they set out. Sometimes the cloud remained from evening until morning, and when the cloud lifted in the morning, they set out. Or if they continued for a day and a night, when the cloud lifted, they set out. I got it. When, <clears throat> whether it was two days or a month or a longer time that the cloud continued over the tabernacle, abiding there, and the people of Israel remained in camp and did not set out. But when it lifted, they set out. At the command of the Lord, they camped. At the command of the Lord, they set out. They kept the charge of the Lord at the command of the Lord by Moses. Okay? <laughs> Why? I mean, after the first sentence, oh, you could do that in one, one verse. Okay? When the Lord set out, they set out. When the Lord stopped, they stopped. That's it. Why is it like this? You know, this is a, somebody who's writing their experience. They're remembering. And they're remembering how crazy it was. Right? Like if you were an Israelite and you were walking and you were told that, that when the cloud stops, you stop and you set up camp. Like when the cloud stopped and you looked and you were going, is it moving? No, it's not moving. Okay, it would stop. What would you unpack? Right? I mean, the first time it stopped, you probably unpacked everything. And then the next day, it, it started moving. And you're like throwing stuff at Every morning, you have to get up and go, is it moving? Okay. And you'd, you'd let out more. Why did God do it? Why didn't God say every Friday? Every Friday, we're moving out. Okay? Just no every Friday. Why? You know why. God was trying to tell them, I'm not like this. I'm not somebody you can control. I'm somebody who's in charge. I'm, I'm somebody who will say to you one day, it's going to be a week, and the next time, it's just going to be a few hours. You go when I go. You stop when I stop. Right? God's trying to communicate. And there's two things going on inside of us all the time. Right? Every human being, there's always two things. One thing is we don't like people to tell us what to do, especially yeah, we're Americans, right? We don't like people telling us what to do. We don't like the government telling us what to do. We don't like people telling us what to do. Like I, and that happens early, early on. You know, my youngest grandson is about to turn 10 months old, and I watch him. It's happening in him, right, right now. He's crawling someplace. I say, hey, Ezekiel, stop. And he's like, looks at me, smiles, keeps going. <laughs> that's one thing that goes on inside of you. But the other thing that's going on inside of you is it's the same thing that's going on go, that's going to go on in Ezekiel is that sometimes you'll realize you're out of your depth. You don't know what to do. And you may be here right now, and you know that. And you know if there is a God who created you, he knows more about what you should do than you do. So this is the truth. If you are ever going to have relationship with the true God, you have to know what the true God is like in the Bible, God is not some kind of mystical experience. God is not wispy. God's got sharp edges. God says, this is what I am. This is how I feel. And how he feels and what he likes and what he's okay with is going to be different than what you like and what you feel and what you're okay with. If you're ever going to have a relationship with the true God, you need to know the true God. And for that, you need a prophet. You need someone 
who will speak for God and say, this is what God is like. And that brings me to the last point, which is, how is Jesus the ultimate prophet? How is Jesus the ultimate prophet? So the passage that we had read in the Old Testament, you have Moses saying, listen, you think I'm a great prophet? There's somebody who's coming, who's gonna, God's going to bring, and he's going to rise up, and he's going to be such a great prophet that anyone who doesn't listen to him is going to be cut off. And then Peter, in Acts chapter 3, says to a largely, to a, a Jewish audience, listen, you know when Moses said that a greater prophet was coming? He's here. It's Jesus. And the reason that that Peter could say that is because of something that happened in Mark chapter 9. In Mark chapter 9, uh, Jesus uh, tells three of his disciples, Peter, James, and John, he says, listen, you guys come with me. He leads them up onto this mountain. And at the top of the mountain, then uh, Jesus does what they could only describe as he, he was transfigured, which meant that the glory of God burst through his skin so much so that he shone like the sun. And when their eyes could finally see again, what they looked up and saw was Jesus. And with Jesus was Moses and Elijah. And Peter ended up saying, oh, this is great. Let's build a shelter, one for Moses, one for Elijah, and one for Jesus. And as soon as he said that, a voice from heaven, the voice of God, thunders and says this, This is my beloved son. Listen to him. And when their ears quit ringing and they could look up again, they looked up and only Jesus was there. What Peter had said was basically, let's build a shelter for Moses and we'll listen to him. A shelter for Elijah, we'll listen to him. And then a shelter even for you, Jesus, and we'll listen to you. And God said, no. Just listen to Jesus. He's enough. In the book of Hebrews, the book of Hebrews begins with uh, just an astounding paragraph. This is what it says. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. That's how they knew what God was like. And then it says, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. That's what he says. He says Jesus wasn't just a prophet who could say, this is what God says. Jesus was one who could say, if you want to know what God is like, look at me. Watch me. He is the exact imprint of God. He is the radiance of his glory. But not only that, Jesus is not just a prophet who can tell us what God is like. Jesus is the object of prophecy. That's why in Hebrews it says he made purification for sins. That's why when Peter was speaking In Acts chapter 3, he says this, But what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets, that as Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. What Peter is saying is that Jesus did something that no other prophet could do. Every prophet would say that God hates sin. Every prophet would say that God wants relationship with people and that God loves you. 
But Jesus would tell stories that no prophet ever told. Jesus told the story of the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15, where this boy goes off and he lives wild living. He does every sin he can possibly imagine. And then he runs out of steam and he finally turns to come home. And when he's walking home, he doesn't think his father will receive him at all. And Jesus said the father had been looking for him. And when the father saw him from a distance, the father takes off running towards his son. And when he gets to his son, he wraps his arms around him. And he says, this son of mine who was lost has been found. This son of mine who was dead is alive. I love that story. And every time I get to that point where I say that the son of mine was lost, and is found, was dead, and is alive, I feel like I have to keep back tears because it's something I've always longed for. It's something that you long for. Someone who will know you at your very worst and still love you. And what Jesus says is that's the kind of relationship you want with God. This God who is holy, this God who hates sin, this God who wants relationship, this God who is God who doesn't feel the way you feel, who doesn't act the way you act, isn't okay with what you're okay with. And Jesus says, if you want relationship with him, I'm the one who can make it happen. Jesus is the one who says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Only Jesus is the one who can say to a paralytic, your sins are are forgiven. Only Jesus can say to a woman caught in adultery, neither do I condemn you. Go in peace. It's only Jesus that can say to you, you want to come to God as you are? You want to be known by God for who you are and still loved? I'm the one who can make it happen. You look at the prophet Jesus in the face, you are looking at the face of God himself. God says, listen to him. Listen to Jesus, the greater prophet. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we come to you, and uh, I want to be the first to say, you, you know uh, that uh, I am one that has wanted to make God into my own image at different times. I think uh, probably all of us have done that. But I'm so grateful because the deep longing of my soul and probably everyone here is to be fully known and fully loved by the God who created us. And you're the one who can make that happen through your life, death, and resurrection. You made purification of sins so that God, when he sees us, can wrap his arms around us and say, welcome home. I pray that every person here would know you in this way and would be connected to God in a real relationship because of you. We pray this in your name. Amen.